one of the things that I always talk about is is roast, roast, roast. I think a lot of people do not factor in that how a coffee is roasted is maybe the most important effect on any kind of extraction. From Mumble Coffee, this is Coffee 101, a show for the coffee curious. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and I am delighted to be able to bring you an episode on coffee extraction today. Katie, do you know anything, anything about coffee extraction? No. Seriously? No. I mean... Sorry, that wasn't very polite. No, I do not. <laughs> you could say it like that. No, but okay, look, I'm really not this sassy all the time. It's yeah. just because I'm talking to you. Okay. I apologize. Well, so I'll let me, we'll get into the episode um, just a little bit. And today I actually have a guest that I'm super excited about. Super uh, duper excited? Yeah, kind of super duper. So his name is Patrick Rolf, and Rolf. and he was a world barista Ooh. finalist within the past year. Good uh, Pat. So he got to go down to Australia and compete. Australia. Yeah, and he's actually he's living in Copenhagen, Denmark. So he's got a cool accent. I showed you a picture of him earlier. Yeah, um, yeah, he looks like he'd be in Lord of the Rings. Like immediately when I saw him with his hair and everything. I was like, wait, no, no, he's, yeah, no. Well, that's how most coffee people are. They look like they could also double like as being an Lord of the Rings. or something like that. Like one with like lots of muscle and cool flowing like long Absolutely, hair. Absolutely, yes. Yes. So Patrick's actually a really, really good guy. And you'll, you'll probably, one of wonders, you'll get a vibe in the actual show. But he also is, I would say, fairly humble or humble. And um, he will not toot his own horn, but I'm going to go ahead and toot it for him. And I'm going to tell you that a couple of things that um, I was really impressed with are that he he really has a desire and a love for experimentation and kind of pushing the envelope as far as coffee goes. He even has a book from Nerd to Pro, A Coffee Journey, uh, that you can find uh, out there in the world. Um, and he's done all kinds of other crazy stuff. Like he's invented um, his own brewer, the April Coffee Brewer, and some other stuff like that. And so anyway, there's that. And then um, he's actually a roaster, just like I am. And he's a really good roaster. And so even off camera, we talked a little bit about roasting and, um, you know, where that plays in that final cup quality. But today, Katie, mm-hmm. we are going to talk about coffee extraction, which is a super important thing that everybody needs to learn about, even you as a yes. one right? Yes. Yes, because that can make or break the quality of what you're tasting in the cup. Mm-hmm. So... Anything else before we jump to the interview? I got nothing. Okay, just well, here, to learn. here we go. We're going to jump to my interview with Patrick Rolf of April Coffee out of Copenhagen, Denmark. Patrick, good to have you on the show today. 
Thank you for having me. Super happy to to be a part of it. Well, so we had an episode fairly recently where uh, Michael Matthews and I talked about, and and I actually, I'll be honest, I didn't know about the April Brewer, and he was like, you have to, you have to get one, and uh, so it took me a while to figure out like where I could get it in the U.S., but I found one, and you created it. That's true. It was, I mean, that was a, a few years back now, right? But it was basically me trying to win a World Brewers Cup. That's yeah. kind of how that whole process started, which is, you know, very much along the lines of trying to figure out extractions, um, which we'll get to a little bit later. But uh, yeah, I think it's, for me, it was a little bit of a process where um, how you roast really has an impact on how you extract coffee. And that's kind of where it made so much sense for me to make my own brewer pretty much. Cool. And so give give me and give our uh, our Coffee 101 listeners kind of the, I guess you'd say the 32nd, like what, what separates the April Brewer? Like, like, like what's cool, what's cool about it besides it's just hip and, you know, it's, you know, you made it. I mean, fair enough. There's, there's a lot of random brewers out there. The difference um, with the April Brewer is control over flow rate and flow rate is then basically how the water goes through the coffee. And without getting you know, too nerdy here, there's basically two very important things we talk about when we brew coffee, and that's what we call under pressure and over pressure. So like the, the steam from the hot coffee is creating yeah. pressure going up, and then you have pressure basically going down through the coffee. And the April Brewer has what we call air pockets on the side and a filter holder system kind of on the inside, yeah. which is allowing you to control how that water goes through um, in a different way that suits then perhaps a little bit of a, let's say, modern roasted coffee. So yeah. basically the roast degree of your coffee is going to impact how the water goes through that coffee. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, and, you know, we think a lot of, I guess, well, yeah, we think about the the water itself going down through the coffee. I don't think that the everyday coffee brewer is thinking as much about the steam and the pressure that's coming back up and kind of balancing out just depending on how you're dealing with that pressure, um, the pressure that's coming back up. So that's kind of cool. I mean, it's such a, I think the best example of that is a lot of us is used to Chemex a brewer, yeah, right? That's right. Uh, especially if you work with the, with the light larger ones and um, if the the brew kind of clogs or stops, what you do is you lift up the paper filter, right? I think yeah. a lot of us have done that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it goes so much faster. Yeah. And the reason for that is actually because we're alleviating the pressure yeah. and allowing the air to circulate. And that just, you know, forces the water to go through. So it's, it's basically like that's the best example, I think, of, of how that matters. Yeah, yeah, and I had never thought about that either, um, but I have done that, and uh, I didn't realize that other people also did that. But yes, I have definitely done that because that filter will kind of clog up a little bit. So that's cool. Well, let let me ask you this. So we're going to segue to today. We're going to talk about coffee extraction, and this is a really, really important episode. Um and, and there's a lot that that we could go into, um, 
because extraction kind of makes or breaks. I mean, it's, it, it is our cup of coffee. So, I mean, if we don't get anything out, we don't have coffee. Um, so I'm just going to let you start. Let's, let's talk about extraction and we'll just kind of go back and forth and geek out. I mean, extraction, it's, it's a minefield, right? There, there's just yeah. so much to it. Um, I think, you know, maybe it's, it's important to identify just like some of the basics that has a big impact on it. One of the things that I always talk about is, is roast, roast, roast. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do not factor in that how our coffee is roasted is maybe the most important um, effect on any kind of extraction. Uh, I hear a lot of people trying to brew coffee differently. Let's say if it's a washed coffee or a natural coffee or African coffee or a Central American coffee. And that's kind of the, the beginning of then understanding what the real impact is. Um, it's basically how these coffees roast up. Mm. So what do we end up in terms of, of color and so on? Then obviously, you know, we have we have grind size, super important. We have mm-hmm. quality of grind, which is kind of widely misunderstood. Uh, we talk about uniformity in grind size, which doesn't exist. That's an interesting one to to talk about. <laughs> obviously, water temperature, water quality. I mean, Copenhagen and the water is terrible. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. So we have to do all these things with the water. And that also impacts uh, water quality. So um, it's not just about which, you know, what kind of PPM or hardness you have on your water is what's the content of that total um, hardness or PPM. So it's um, extraction is, is, is interesting, right? And I'm, I'm, I think maybe a bit controversial um, in regards to common kind of ideas of it, but I'm not one of those that says the higher extraction, the better. Yeah, I think it's almost completely the opposite, right? Okay. Um, but um, there's so many factors going into it, right? So maybe we should select yep. one or two and, and, and jump in a little bit more detail. Sure. So uh, a couple of interesting things that that uh, you said, you know, one was that the extraction is um, that you don't have uniformity with the actual grind size. And so let me back up a second and fill in our one-on-oneers up to that point. So when when we're talking about, and we'll talk specifically about grind, and then we can go into some of the other uh, things that you said there because because you went over a lot as far as what factors into uh, the, the extraction itself. So with grind, um, what you're doing is... If you take, let's say you take the whole bean and you try to extract coffee from that, you can extract, but you're just extracting from the surface area of the outside of the bean itself. Like the the water cannot get in effectively to the inside of the bean itself. And we're only going to extract out about approximately 28% of what is in the roasted coffee bean. The rest of what's in the bean is just cellulose and other stuff that makes up the structure of the bean. So what we have to do is we have to increase the surface area of what we are trying to extract from. So that's where grind comes in. And the if you think about it, not you, Patrick, because I know you know this, but 101ers, if you think about it, the... The grind, the finer you grind, the more surface area 
you have for the water to interact with the coffee grounds. And so I think of it like if you're, you know, you're in Copenhagen, and I don't know how the, the we call it interstate highways are. I don't know what you would call it there. But like, for example, in the U.S., you can bypass a city, you know, on the, we call it interstate, or you can go through the city and you're going to get a, a lot different vibe as far as you're going to get a lot more detail like driving through the city. So that's the difference in not having a grind at all and having having a, a grind where you have a lot more intricacy, a lot more detail, a lot more ability to access the bean, if that makes sense. And so we'll talk about grind a little more, but all that leading up to what Patrick was saying is that we want to move towards uniformity of the grind itself. And I'm going to let you kind of explain why we would want that uniformity and what the difference is in, like, let's say, extracting from something that is coarser versus finer with everything else held equal. Yeah. So again, I mean, we, we can probably do like 10 episodes about this, but <laughs> I think what's, what's interesting is the kind of initial idea there. Of, of, let's say then uniformity in grind size versus let's say not uniformity. Right. And I think it's, um, uh, first of all, it's a great analogy with the city, I think. And when we grind coffee, we're always going to have, let's say, three different sizes. This is very kind of general terms yeah. and, and you know, not 100% scientific, but we're going to have larger particles, which we call boulders, mm-hmm. and we're going to have finer particles, which we call fines. And then we're going to have a big section in the middle that is kind of where most of the uniformity will exist. And... There's a few, few kind of cool things you can easily try at home as well to kind of manipulate this a little bit. Uh, when we compete in coffee or, or uh, brew in that kind of circumstance, there is a few things that we're trying. And I think what's important to consider is that it's going to taste quite different depending on how much of your kind of total dose. Let's say you grind 20 grams of coffee how much percentage of those are these big particles or these small particles, right? Mm, yeah. So that's going to have a big, big impact. Um, obviously, in the most uh, kind of simple of terms, the finer you're going to grind in general, the more contact time the water is going to have with that coffee, right? And the coarser you grind, the faster the water is going to go through. But as you mentioned as well, it's it's even like a little bit more complicated because you grind finer and you do get more surface area. So you're also going to get a different level of taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I really like to do when I brew coffee is actually try to grind as coarse as I can. And then knowing that the water will go through faster, I actually shift how I pour water on the coffee so I pour it much slower or in more different steps mm-hmm. because a course of grind size is going to not just change the flow, but also how the coffee will taste and the kind of flavors I can extract. Right. Yeah. But if you are, let's say going for uniformity, then, I mean, we can go into and discuss different grinders that like, different grinders in the market are 
um, you know, good or bad at getting this kind of uniformity. But the easiest way to try it out, if you just want to try it at home, is to actually grind your coffee twice. Hmm. Because if you grind your coffee twice, then you're going to minimize the amount of big particles in your dose and actually get a much, much more uniform spread from the kind of medium or midsection to the small particles, right? That's actually a good way to just try a more uniform grind size to see how that then impacts your taste. And most likely it's going to be sweeter, mm-hmm. more balanced, and uh, in general, actually a tastier cup of coffee, I would say. That's a really interesting uh, idea, and I have never tried that, but it makes sense as far as getting rid of or minimizing those what we would call boulders. Um, and and I, again, I just think it's fascinating. Uh, I think you're probably the first person I've ever heard that actually verbalized what I've thought, which is different than marketing uh, for companies, is that there isn't uniformity, um, even with the best grinders out there and it's not that you know i guess theoretically it could be done but it's almost like it's inevitable when you're looking at the or thinking about the structure of you know the bean itself and one of oneers out there you know we'll talk about it in another episode but burrs are you know what the the when, with the grinder that the beans actually go through and and break up. And, you know, just a caveat there are is that Arabica, which is what most of us drink, is a little denser than Robusta, um, which is kind of your... You'll see it sometimes as a blend in espresso, but you will also see it uh, in some of your we'll just say cheaper coffees. Um, so that can make, that can make a difference in, you know, what you actually extract from the bean. Another interesting thing, and then I'll jump back to what we're talking about is that most of your caffeine comes out almost immediately. Uh, it's like 70% of your caffeine is extracted within the first few seconds of, uh, of brewing. And, uh, I don't know if you've ever tried this, uh, Patrick, but, um, you know, you could actually, this is not the best cup of coffee, but if you're looking for a decaf cup of coffee and you still have your, uh, your coffee grounds, you know, you, you could actually run through again, like a second time and you've already extracted almost all that caffeine the first time. Um, and especially if it was dark roasted coffee, um, you can get a decent cup of coffee like a second time around through those same grounds. For sure. What you can do, you can also, basically, you can just separate that first pour in a way, right? Yeah. Uh, because that first pour is going to extract. It's the same when you, you know, you do this uh, espresso test when you, you brew uh, one espresso in, let's say, 30 seconds and you take 10 seconds with a cup and then the next 10 seconds with another cup and the last 10 seconds with the third cup. And then you try those three individual cups or breakdowns of that same shot. And you're going to have a very similar thing where the the beginning is very intense, a little bit bitter. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of the caffeine because caffeine is, is 
bitter. Yeah. And caffeine is where a lot of the flavors are, right? Which is why a decaf coffee has less complex flavors mm -hmm. than, uh, let's say, an ordinary coffee, right? Stick with us. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and this is Coffee 101, brought to you by Humble Coffee. Hey, 101ers, we've got some big news from the Humble Coffee front. I have been asked by Stanford University to teach a master class on coffee. And after I was stunned and flabbergasted and humbled, or humbled, or humbled, that they would ask me, I said I'd be happy to do it. So I want all of you to be on the lookout for this coming fall, a masterclass that anybody can sign up for on coffee. All right, now let's get back to my interview with Patrick Rolf of April Coffee Roasters. Let's 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 talk a little more about you said taking that espresso and doing like 10 seconds, you know, three times 10 seconds. And so getting those three cups. And so what I would, and, and you can do the same thing, uh, one with your drip coffee, or even if you're doing immersion, if you control it, um, if you want to do a little experiment, especially with a light roasted coffee, then take a third of your brew off and then a third and then a third um, and I would say and I'd be curious Patrick what you would say is that you know that that first section is going to be a little more acidic juicy tart brighter sour um, that kind of stuff in the middle I would say is where we what we would define as as sweetness and then what the light extraction I would call more of the body and the mouthfeel as far as what you can get out of the cup. And then if you over-extract bitterness, which might taste different than the bitterness or the acidity that we're talking about um, and that Patrick was talking about on the, the front end with the caffeine. Any thoughts on that? Well, for sure, and I think it's... There's so much you can experiment with if you want to kind of try to understand those those different parts. Um, and I think one of the things that I've lately has been been doing when I brew coffee as well is I've been focusing a lot on, which is kind of on the same subject and I find it to to have a big difference is how long do you wait in between each pour uh, of the water, right? So basically. Do you wait to take your, let's say you make a three pour structure, do you wait until the water goes all through the coffee bed? Yeah. Or do you um, pour before, so basically exposed coffee bed or not, which is also going to have a big, big impact. I think it's the more you look into this idea of extraction, the more you realize that there's thousands of variables, right? You can yeah. make this really complicated if you want to, where at the same time, you know, we're just pouring water on coffee, so which is a fairly simple thing to do, right? So it's um, there's really a wide range of ideas that are all kind of applicable. But I think, as you say, dividing that brew initially, it's a really good way to kind of try to understand what is happening, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if you have a little bit of understanding of it, it's easier to kind of take that 
next step in your brewing, whatever that might be, right? But uh, again, there, there's there's so many ways to do it. And I think what's important to understand with extractions, which I think at least in the, the kind of specialty coffee world, we're at a point where um, we're, we're almost locking in a lot of rules about extraction. Like we have to extract more, or we have to extract within a certain percentage, mm-hmm. for example. And, you know, that's a little bit silly, right? Yeah. Uh, coffee is such a new thing and we should just try to extract all over the place, right? Because who knows what we like the most and what we like the best, right? Yeah. Um, and for, for me, when it comes to brewing coffee, it's always going to come down to making that cup of coffee tasty for you. Um, and then obviously we need to kind of understand how, how do I make that happen, right? Well, and, you know, you were talking about a little earlier um, how and when you pour, um, when you're specifically doing a pour-over. Um, I, I am curious for you specifically and for the cup that you like, could you kind of walk us through, like, how and when do you pour on a typical pour over and, and why why you do that? What are you trying to, because ultimately any of us what we're trying to do is we are trying to get a good tasting cup of coffee for us. And so what do you manipulate and how do you manipulate that for for your cup? So I think just to to really make it simple, uh, I'm all about about simple. If, That's right. if something it's complicated. It has to clearly make something way better. If it's just complicated without making things a lot better, then it's, it's not for me. So when it comes to pouring structures, then to make it really simple, I would always make um, uniform equal amounts in terms of pouring. So let's say I brew, um, I like 20 grams of coffee to 300 grams of water. That's right. one of my kind of go-to ratios. What I would do then is I would actually just divide um, so I get an equal pour. So basically 100, 100, and 100. Right. Very simple. If I do, let's say, a 12 to 200, I do 100, 100. Right. Um, so you're seeing a trend in my brewing. I like to pour 100 grams of water. Yes. Uh, and then I like to find a dose, an amount of water that, that kind of allows me to do that. It could be 30 to 500. And I do the same thing. And uh, as a general rule, I would aim to have the water go through the coffee bed before I do my second pour. Okay. So that's super easy to do at home, right? It's basically, you know, you have 20 grams of coffee. I poured that 100 grams on. I let that go through until I see the coffee bed. I'm going to do another 100 grams pour, let that go through, and then another 100 grams, and then I'm done. Yeah. Okay, well, cool. So, all right, so let's jump into this then, um, troubleshooting. So let's say we're at home or you're in the shop and you didn't know it and somebody changed the grind setting on your grinder for your pour-over. You start pouring and you realize, even before you've tasted it, that that coffee or the water went through like way too fast. Go through, if you don't mind, some of the things that w- that that we as coffee drinkers can do to troubleshoot fixing that. I mean, if you want to, let's say you want to fix it in the middle of that brew, 
right? Let's say I have, I'm 20 to 300 grams mm-hmm. and I'm doing that first 100 gram pour and I see it just like, it goes through directly. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously that's a tricky one. I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of salvage that specific brew, but if you want to try to do it, what you do is you can, for example, split in those two remaining pours of 100, 100 into four individual pours, 50, 50, 50 50 okay and just stretch out the brew make it longer longer contact time is going to increase that strength right yeah so that's a way to kind of salvage that specific brew obviously you could also grind like start again and grind a bit finer right right um that's always a, a way to do it but i think there's there's some interesting um things that i would always recommend people to do which i don't think we really do in the in the coffee world because um one of the things is that we're always taught to brew very fresh coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're always kind of taught to grind fresh as well. That's kind of, you know, two of the most basic things. And I would always recommend to one, not brew fresh coffee. Um, okay. Always let the coffee rest for two to three weeks before you, before you touch it. Yeah. Um, and then something I do in, in competitions and we actually also do in our store or shops here at April is that we grind all of the coffee the night before uh-huh. we serve the coffee. So it's actually pre-ground coffee. Yeah. And that's also going to allow you to extract more um, and make it, make it taste a lot better actually. So again, there, there's a lot of different things to, um, to factor in. Okay, so super interesting, and let me let me just hit on a couple of, of uh, points you made there. And we've talked about this before on Coffee 101, but for the 101ers out there, hear what Patrick said. Like, don't think that if it if the ro- roast date is yesterday that you're getting the best cup of coffee. You know, really two, three even four or way more than that weeks in after the roast is probably your best cup. The other thing, which I think is super important to think about, and and this goes a little bit against what you commonly read or hear, is what he is saying is they grind the night before, and he also does that for barista competition. And and Patrick, he's not going to toot his own horn, but he is a a recent world barista finalist. That means that he advanced from the country where he competed because they thought that the cup of coffee and the presentation that he made was the best to then advance to the world competition. So that's saying a lot in making that statement that you're grinding the night before. It does. It's one of those things that there's um, so many things when it comes to coffee brewing that, um, like, first of all, are kind of based on, you know, the, the whole, let's say, you know, pour over or, or you know, brewing your espresso at home. That's a very new thing, right? We yeah. just kind of recently started to do that. And I think within that process, we have adapted a lot of kind of old rules that was defined very early on. Um, let's say early on being in the homebrewing world, maybe the you know eighties, nineties, and then kind of in the two thousands is when we really started to pick up on a lot of you know geeky stuff, and we kind of became better. And I think a lot of those initial rules um, 
was, you know, it's so kind of imprinted in what we do that we never really reconsidered them, right? And that's why I'm, I'm always advocating that there really isn't any rules, right? Coffee is this new thing, right? And there's, you know, there's opinions and their thoughts and there's perspective and different ways to try. But there's always so much room in just experimenting and kind of having fun with it. Um, you know, and in the end of the day, the, the good coffee is the one you like, right? So it's Absolutely. always about finding that balance, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's good. And and another thing that I like to tell our one-on-oneers is if, if you have a roaster or a coffee shop, shop that you trust – the what I would call the balance of that acidity, that sweetness, and that body in the cup, then then use that as as your litmus test. You know when you're experimenting at home, and just like Patrick said, and we say, if you like the cup of coffee, then thumbs up. I mean that that's all that matters. And when we're talking about this balance, a lot of times. We're really talking about lighter roasted coffees. Uh, you get that in the darker roasted coffees, but um, you have a lot more wiggle room, I think, as far as um, extraction goes. Uh, one thing I want to hit on before we go is troubleshooting in general. So I thought it was a, I thought that it was really cool um, what Patrick said about. If you're in the middle of a brew and it's going too fast, then you can shorten those actual pours, but make a overall total higher number of pours. So in, in his example, he said he had 200 milliliters or cc's left, and instead of doing two 100 milliliter pours, do a 50-50-50-50. When you have... And, and this would be an example of an under-extracted coffee. Let's say you just mess up that cup and you have to go to a new cup or, you you know, the next day you're trying to make it better. Things that you can do, you can grind finer. You can increase your brew time, which is what Patrick was talking about in that impromptu. You can actually increase your water temp. If you increase your water temp, then you stand a better chance of extracting quicker um, even if your overall time is um, less. And going back to grinding finer, if you think about it, what that does is that, well, you'll get more extraction, but then also it's going to slow the the speed of the water going through because if you think about it, it's like we'll say water going through boulders versus water going through sand. You know, it's just going to slow it up a little bit. And so then you can think about the opposite for if you have what you feel is an over-extracted coffee, which would have a little too much bitterness or back-end bite on the cup, um, then you could grind coarser. You could decrease your brew time. You could decrease your water temp. And I'm sure there's some other things that you could do. But just want to throw that out there. there. There's so much you can do. And I think one one thing that is really important, though, from that, you know, day to day, because a lot of us, you know, you brew one coffee at home, you try that. And then as you say, you kind of go, what should I do tomorrow right. on that same coffee? Right. And I like, do keep in mind when it comes to freshness of coffee, because it's really, you know, one, your, your extractions are never better than the coffee you're using. Right. That's like raw material is everything. Right. right. Uh, but two, 
the first two weeks after roasting, every coffee in the world, regardless of how it's roasted, Robusta Arabica, you know, whatever coffee it is, decaf, goes to um, a CO2 release. So mm-hmm. basically it's degasses. And what's going to happen then is that if you start brewing that coffee on day number one after roast, and every day you're trying to change your parameters to kind of make that taste more like you like it, then you also have to factor in that you have less CO2 in the coffee. Mm. And that's going to impact what you need to do with it. That's why I always recommend wait for those first two weeks. Yeah. Then you start experimenting with it because that CO2 will have left and it's one less variable to kind of have to consider. So then your brewing is going to be way more consistent. So it's just one of those basic things that is going to make the, the biggest difference and really make it a lot easier for you. Well, cool. Well, listen, it was a pleasure having you on today, Patrick. And I want to talk about before we go, you're an author. You have April Coffee Roasters, you created the April Coffee Brewer, and you're currently a world world barista finalist. Tell us about some of that fun stuff that you're dabbling in. I mean there's always there's always something new, right? Um I think that's I think that's important. And you know, the coffee world is this kind of, you know, amazing place where you can really do there's no limit to what you can do, right? It's the same with, with extractions of coffee brewing, right? Um, try to find your groove. And, and um, I'm going to like personally just recommend everyone, regardless of like if you're in coffee or not coffee, check out those coffee competitions. Yeah. Um, I actually competed in coffee before I started to work as a barista in coffee huh. uh, as like a little fun hobby side project. And that was super interesting. Um, the coffee community is, is pretty epic. There's full of really nice people, I think, especially in the competition world. So, um, you know, if you have time, jump in that. I'm going to jump back into my own competitions in a few weeks' time because it's just this great opportunity to to learn, see things. And then, as always, we have some, we have some more stuff coming up at April, as we always do. But um, that's, a, that's a side story, right? But... Uh, yeah. Check out those competitions just in general. Yeah, so a little teaser, I guess. So y'all will have to follow uh April Coffee Roasters. It's uh it's April Coffee C P H on Instagram and you can follow Patrick at Patrick Rolf. It's it's uh well how you would spell Patrick and then R That's the Swedish way, yeah. Yeah, and uh R O L F. So listen, pleasure to have you on today. I appreciate it. Super. Thank you very much. Um, speaking of Patrick and him looking like an elf. Like a good-looking elf. Not like Santa Claus. Like a muscular Claus. with, like, long hair. I mean, if you want to do Santa Claus, you do you, boo. But, like, also, you look like Lord of the Rings elf. And not the Santa Claus elf. But speaking of, I am reading the Lord of the Rings books right now, and I'm trying to get finished with them, and it's taking me forever. But Have you ever read them before? No. Just watch the movies? No, I've never seen the movies either. Oh, Okay, well then you're in I'm for trying, a treat. Yeah, I'm trying to read the um, books first. So are you in the middle book? I'm in the middle of The Return of the King, the last one. Okay, cool. So, Well, it is it is a very cool series. And for mm-hmm. 101ers, um, I'm not sure that there's any of you out there who have not read The Lord of the Rings, but well, I, wouldn't be I so would sure. recommend it. And one thing I wanted to say 
um, that I, I, that, that interview went so well and we just vibed, you know, back and forth so well that I forgot to say, I wanted to make sure UC Davis has a updated coffee brewing control chart that if you really wanted to just get into the nitty gritty of, um, coffee extraction the nitty-gritty the nitty-gritty then that is probably the most accurate thing out there as far as like looking at well how is it going to taste if it's over extracted or if it's under extracted or if it's weak or if it's you know too concentrated where can they find that they can go to the uc davis website and we will put that link put that link down below for you guys in the show notes oh yeah that's below-ish yeah, no, I was just adding to your sentence. Okay, thank you for that. You know, that. Like, like we finished each other's... Sandwiches. That's what <laughs> I was going to say. I've never met someone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Have, speaking of good movies, Frozen, go watch it today. Anyways, go ahead. We digress, but it was a delight for us to An be part of your day today. And if you haven't already, like... Smash that subscribe button. Well, no, it's not that. It's okay. like, uh, follow the show. Okay. We want them to do that. We want them to rate. Give us a good rating. Okay. Or just give us a rating, you know? Okay. Um, hopefully you like us. Um, but if you don't, either that's way, okay. It's you good feedback, to too. Like because we do listen to every... Not listen we to, we read reviews. every You're rating. You're your five senses mixed up. Yep. And we want you to tell a friend... And interestingly, I was actually talking to a very good friend in another state, in the United States, the other day, and uh, I'm not going to tell you because of the story here, Um, and he was like, man, he's like, I really love the show, and I was like, that's great, I was like, have you given us a rating or anything yet? I was like, that really really helps us, Uh and he's like, no, and I'm like, seriously? I'm like, that's that's like what we want you to do so that we can spread the coffee education. So anyway, so I kind of guilted him into, you know, giving oh. us one because I want to spread the coffee education. Okay. I want to spread the love. So anyway, that's it. Y'all do that. Tell a friend. Follow us. Give us a rating. Love y'all. See you next time on Coffee 101 brought to you by Humble Coffee.